All right. I just want to say welcome to the one in five. Um, we appreciate you listeners. We have a really, in my opinion, exciting, informative show today. And I just want to remind you that our podcast is all about frontier rural America and healthcare. We try to mix those two together. And um, you might not know this, but one out of every five Americans lives in 97% of the U.S. landmass. So having said that, we are the one in five. If you're listening, maybe you're the one in five, and you're going to learn something today. Adam, hopefully. what do we have? Hopefully. Hopefully we hope. <laughs> hope, hope. Uh, today we have Shelly Sutherland with us. Shelly, say hi. Hi. It is a real pleasure to have Shelly here with us today, and we're going to ask her some questions about this concept of whole health and having a community development department in a rural community health center. And some of you might be saying, whoa, what's a community development department? Hopefully we're going to get into that more with Shelly um, today as we speak with her and ask her a couple of questions. But first, Shelly, we wanted to ask you a couple of uh, get-to-know-you questions. I, I was going to say personal questions, but that didn't sound too good. We're going to ask you a couple of personal <laughs> questions. What's your blood type? Yeah, it, it does. It sounds like we don't, we, here, we can don't you put creepers. Your, uh, dip your finger in here and then, okay, there we go. Now we got her fingerprint too and her blood type. That's right. Uh, That's what we're all about. No, Abel really wanted me to ask you, Oh. If you had any tattoos. <laughs> oh, then let's throw me under the bus. <laughs> so first question from Abel is, do you have any tattoos? Um, did Abel want you to ask that because he wants to see them? <laughs> that, no, see? that's not that, that, why he was asking I, that. It was just a, I was just thrown under the bus, Adam. <laughs> no. Abel didn't want to see him. Neither did Adam. This, Adam is using a synthetic Abel right now. He has generated an Abel that's it, it, not the it's room. It's like our listeners from Synthable. last week. <laughs> Adam, Adam has a our great question for... <laughs> our listeners wanted to know. <laughs> do you have any tats? I do not have a tat. Okay. Okay. I did not want to know if you had a tattoo, <laughs> but I'll take one for the team. We were and just, I'm definitely going to have a question that Adam asked next to Adam. Yes. <laughs> we were just, it was just something to break the ice is really what we were trying to go for there. So, no, so I guess my second question in uh, sort of wanting to ask something more personal or something to get to know you a little bit is um, what is community-based work and how long have you been doing this type of work? So I guess I would define community-based work as anything that's happening in a community where there are multiple partners involved. So more than one organization, more than one person who's getting together to try to make something better together for their community. Okay. Yeah. The, the, the interpretations of community are always always interesting because we use that word a lot. For example, uh, and, and I hope that this fits our discussion, if you bear with me, when as a pastor, I'm doing, we're doing communion, I'm always thinking community. Like it's something we do together. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I, last, last Sunday, I've noticed that some people will get in a rush to just 
do it and they're done and everybody else is still kind of waiting to go together. So I would say it's not like you uh, unity or do it yourselfity. It's community. So we're trying mm. to do this thing together. Yeah. So community is a word we use a lot, but sometimes there is a, a, a deeply disconnected feel to community. I like that. I like what you said about that. It's that's also the hard part about it too is doing it with other people. <laughs> but that's, for me too, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so, so Shelly, I know you have without telling your story for you because I don't obviously know all of it. Would you just let us in a little bit on how you got started in this kind of work and what led you up to the to where we're at now, to where you're at right now? Um, in community development in a community health center? Sure. Um, most of my career, uh, the first 20 years of my career, I spent doing program evaluation in educational settings. And so I worked for a large school district, moved to Montana in 2003. And after I was in Montana for a while, I got some work through um, a public health program, nutrition and physical activity program that was based out of MSU in Bozeman. And so worked there for about five years. And that's where I got introduced to, to ideas around built environment, food access issues, worksite wellness, and how creating healthier communities can create healthier people. Mm. Okay. Um, that's, it seems like that's a, that's a big difference between program evaluation. I mean, uh, were, were there similarities? I mean, how... What was the difference there? So in that program, my role was program evaluation. And so uh, I, w I worked with a team to evaluate what, you know, what we were doing with the programs, what benefits okay. um, communities and people were seeing as a result of the programs and collecting information to, to make our work, work go smoother. So it's not just necessarily the program itself. It's also results from the program that were examined and Yes, that was outcomes. my role. Okay. Yep. Okay. So I worked with a team of people who actually were doing interventions at the community level. Oh, and then wow. I supported that wow. work through some data collection and, and, and really turning data into information that we could use to change how we were doing things, I to see. improve how we were doing things. Oh, wow. And you you actually made... of the program. Well, what was it called again? Program evaluation. You mm -hmm. uh, made that sound much more interesting after that because <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, is that like an IRS kind of? A, but it's but it's that sounds really fascinating. So when I met you, you you, I met you through Best Beginnings. Mm -hmm. I was the representative from here um, on the Best Beginnings Coalition for a while. And tell us a little bit about what you did through Best Beginnings and how that sort of led into to your work at BBHC. So in 2012, we, um, we started a, an early childhood coalition, our Best Beginnings Coalition here in Bighorn County. And I got recruited to that actually through Esther Wynn, our public health nurse down the street. We love Esther. And uh, we, had, we worked on some food... Uh, food project or with Wick and the grocery store. We made um, some food bags um, with fruits and vegetables in them that could be uh, an easy meal. 
and the idea was that WIC participants could use their coupons at that time, their benefit to pick up one of these bags of fruits and vegetables, and there was a little recipe card in it. Okay. Um, so you could turn this um, into stew or nice. salad, yeah, or soup. Nice. And so we'd been working on that project together, and then this opportunity to create uh, a community-based coalition came along, and um, and it's still yeah. And so we started that in 2012. We got about, I don't know, 30 people together or so who worked with young children and their families. And our goal was to improve early childhood systems across our community. Wow. I, I, I have a question about that. So I've, I've got to see, I've known you for two years now, and I've got to see these um, coalitions that, that you've been a part of and plan, and I'm seeing them thrive or, 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 or continue on. Do they feel, do they, do you feel close to them? Like, like, um, I, uh, pride's not the right word, like proud of them. How does it feel to see them? I mean, are they like children, you know, <laughs> these, these things? Cause when they do well, it must be so encouraging. It, it is really gratifying to see okay. this coalition that started back in 2012 still around because mm-hmm. these things tend to come and go. People change jobs, um, new people come and take their place, um, and there isn't always a steady funding stream for, for these community-based coalitions. And so it's, it's really great to see that the coalition has changed a lot in terms of the people, okay. um, but, but it's still going strong and they're still really committed people to, to this yeah. work that we do with young children and their families. And, and I get to be a part of it and being a part of it. I only know a part of it, but it is, it is fun um, because my whole world doesn't, has never really had anything to do, do with that. And then I realized, wow, these things have been going on all around me for a long time. Right. So I wanted to ask you a question that might sound pretty simple, but I feel like it will, it will bring about uh, the idea of maybe what people, our listeners or people around us here in Eastern Montana. I mean, I know that we are a family of, you know, community health centers, Ashland, Miles City, Chinook, Harlem, uh, Lewistown and Hardin. And, and it, it, if you were just to, to stand on the street and let's say you were uh, let's say I'm watching and I hear that there's clinic A and I know that they have a vision and, and, and a heart for their community and a desire to, for healthcare. And then I see clinic B and they have a vision and a heart for community and they want to see this, their community grow. But as I'm standing on the side, I'm watching cars go into the parking lot of A, people get out of the car go into the clinic, come out of the clinic, get in their car and leave. And that's all I see. And so when I'm here and I'm with you, I hear we're doing unique things, that this is unique. And I believe it because I hear people on the outside saying that as well. But I've been here two years and I, I don't understand the extent of that from, from your perspective. Can you help us to understand, help me if I'm watching people go to what could in my mind, be just another clinic, mm-hmm. what's different? So inside of the clinic, um, one of the things that you encou- would encounter is when you get into a waiting room, 
um, somebody might start talking to you about what we call social determinants of health, which are things in your life that impact your health. And there are those things that don't happen in a doctor's office. So, for example, somebody might ask you some questions about, um, do you have enough food to get through the end of of the month? Um, Do you feel safe in your home? Those kinds of questions. Um, Do you have any need for legal services? And if you said, yes, as a matter of fact, um, I'm a little bit worried about what I'm going to feed my family tonight, um, you would get probably um, get to meet a resource support provider who would find a time to sit down with you and, and talk to you about how they could help connect you with food resources. Okay. And that, I mean, I'm sure you have other things that you could, that I would love to talk about now that are unique, but that is not a common experience. Not necessarily. Question mark. Right. Yeah. 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 That's one of the things that makes this unique as opposed to makes clinic a unique as opposed to clinic B. And that's inside the clinic. Right. When you left the clinic, um, you might go down the street and um, stop at a a local farmer's market on your way home and pick up some fresh fruits and vegetables from some local vendors. And you might not even think about it, but you might look over and see some folks doing some fun stuff with kids, playing games, um, doing some learning activities, maybe some seatbelt safety stuff. Um, And if you ask some more questions, you might find out that, oh, in fact, that is a community-sponsored event through a coalition that um, your health center is part of. Participates. So there's there's an unseen at times connection, you're saying, between that health center as as a building that you might just go, they're just in there, doctors are in there, Somebody's getting help, but then there's this unseen, often connection then to the community that's very deliberate. Yep. And that is something you're very passionate about. That's that's like a part of your heart. In that world and the clinic world coming together, from what I feel like I'm hearing over these last two years, that's a very unique thing. Can you put that into different words or help me understand that picture, how that might be, you know, what's the, what's the intentionality behind that? What's the reason for that? So as a health center, um, we are part of our communities. Yeah. And we're working together with other organizations and people who live in our communities to make them healthier places to live places where the healthy choice can be the easy choice for people. Okay. That's great. You know, one of my questions that I was going to ask was when you initially asked that question, Abel, about clinic A and clinic B and what separates us from them or what separates A from B, it really seemed like the question set up this competitive element. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear. I can understand how that would come across. And what I like, what I'm hearing, though, is that that's not the case. Is that one of the, it seems like what I'm hearing you say is one of the roles that we're playing is helping facilitate community partnerships, knowing that we can't do all of the work. Is that right? And that we need help 
with this. And can you speak more to that? Is Am I on the right track with, with yes. saying it that way? Okay. Everybody has a piece of the puzzle. Communities are complex, multifaceted. And so a healthy community involves a lot of elements. So you think about a healthy economy, you think about access to health care, you might think about um, how much green space is available, places where kids can go and play, whether kids have sidewalks and safe walking routes to school. All of those are different pieces of a healthy community. Can people get uh, access to healthy foods on a daily basis? Sure. So when I was at at um, tech school, I'd spent three years working with AutoCAD. And I don't know if you've ever seen that, but but you can make blueprints and they're two-dimensional. And that's where that's where houses get all of their stuff from. And it takes a long time to master that. And then I get to Boeing and they have this program called Katia. And they ran into issues where like they'd build a plane, but no one could get in and fix a part on it. And so they realized that there was this huge need to have a three-dimensional blue blueprint mm. where they could put like a real-sized person in the image, right? There was this whole third dimension. And when I first saw it, so I'm inputting these little numbers and a ball peer, appeared. And it was the first time I'd ever made anything three-dimensional. I, f- I feel like when I'm getting images in my head and you're talking, I feel like you're saying that if we all come together, that there are these, there's, you know, more than two dimensions. This isn't a flat thing, healthcare. It's not just an information. How, how else would you fill in that third dimension for somebody maybe who is only thinking, I hurt, I need, I need medicine, or I need the, the doctor to fix this. You're, you're saying something much different, something mm-hmm. that's, that's really mind-blowing about healthcare to me. Yeah, I would say um, if you live in a healthy place, you have a better chance of staying healthy. If you have access to clean air and water, if you have access to healthy food. So you have been, said this before, zip code and the genetic code. What is that again? Can you explain that? Because that sticks in my head. So there's a, a kind of a trite saying uh, about <laughs> not uh, to me. It was the first time I'd heard it. I thought it was pretty good too. <laughs> so it might become trite to us over time, but <laughs> startlingly original saying about how how a person's zip code is a better predictor of health than their genetic code. Yeah, and okay. and the idea is that where where we live matters for our health and well being. And so, and I think what I'm hearing you say is the goal of the community development department is to really affect that zip code piece of health because we can't touch the genetic, but we can make our community a better and more healthy place to live. Is that correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. And, uh, and, and so as we're kind of going into this three-dimensional healthcare, social determinants of health, my goodness, I mean... I look back in, in my life and think, I I definitely had never I'd never thought of healthcare in that way. Now I know that there were people all around me thinking, eat healthy foods, you know, do this and do that. But when there are 
are none to choose from. And it's expensive to get to them. I never had thought of providing access as a part of a clinic. I mean, that's, that's the farmer's market. Yeah. And trying to get clinic A and B to work together, that's healthy for the community. That, that is literally community. Is there, is there a story or something that, that, that you've experienced that really encapsulates this kind of third dimension, this idea of social determinants of health, a success story or something that really moves you that, that, that you, that you think about makes you realize, you know, this is why we're doing what we're doing. Does anything come to your mind at all? And I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but. I think all the time about people in our community who are really suffering from lack of healthful environment. I think about people who have uh, chronic diabetes, for example, mm. and and end up with very severe medical complications, which could potentially have been avoided um, with with healthier food options. And to me, that's a, that's a tragedy. How that something you... like that could have been prevented, and um, you know, building building a food based economy okay. would be. That's something. it. Uh, the, the, right. That's what I want to know. So, so food based economy. What are some other things that you can do? You see that. What are other things that maybe people would be like? What a clinic or or people can can effectively change things. Maybe that would be surprising toward that problem of this epidemic of diabetes. Yeah. So if you think about things like community gardens, okay. if you think about creating markets for local farmers to sell produce. Okay. Availability and is, it, is that about getting people interested in it? What is that? Um, I, I, I'm not going to answer that. I think I can put we, that on pause so you can ask yours, but I would like to get back to that. Sure. I, I was going to say, so... We know one of the things about diabetes is is one of the pieces is access to, to healthy foods um, and being able to eat right. But another piece, there's a there's a physical component, right? There's an exercise yep. component. Can you I, I see some of the pieces coming together here. So so we've worked in a partnership with Healthy Harden to form and others to, to form the farmer's market, worked with that. So that's the, that's the healthy... When you say we, do you mean food. Clin from a clinic perspective? Exactly, wow. yes. Yeah, that's true. Um, but is there, any, is there anything being done around the exercise piece of this for that diabetic patient? Um, anything that the community can work together to do to provide a, a healthy activity or... Yeah, absolutely. We have our we have our runs um, across our communities. So we have um, the diabetes beatdown up in Chinook. Yes. We have our one yes. voice run over in Mile City. We have our sugar rush event. Terrific. So the community again in Bighorn County in these communities, they might not know that this is a del deliberate that, act. Yeah, that a clinic isn't sponsoring 
like, oh, we believe in that. They're actually organizing, yeah. organizing, and that is that is where some of the uniqueness is. Is question mark? I mean, is that is that make is that a unique aspect of, I guess, whole health? This clinic being involved in that way, or our clinics. I would say, yeah, it, that's what it appears to me. That, I mean, I think it's pretty cool that you have a, a an organization here that is reaching out into the community to, I mean, this is just me. I'm not an expert on, on this by any means, but that seem, it seems like it's really hitting home. So I'm on it, the street and I see cars going in, people going in, people coming out. We know on the inside we've touched a little bit about that. But then on the outside, we've got community gardens, mm -hmm. people learning how to grow food, um, runs, exercise. How on earth do you have the employee power to do something like that? <laughs> I mean, that's seriously what's going on there. That sounds like organization on a whole different level it to does. me. It so really does. So I don't understand it. Like I see that happening, but I do have to say I don't know how it's happening. So what would you say to that person? So so it's not all it's not all of our healthcare center. Okay. Doing it. Um all of these things are being done in combination with lots of community partners. Okay. And so some of, some of it uh, we lead as a healthcare center um, and some other activities we support. Okay. So when you say community partners, that phrase is deliberately geared or, or it means other people in the pieces of the puzzle. Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the healthier those relationships are, the stronger those bonds and connections, the healthier community. So there. So the idea would be that there's, like you had said, Adam. Like when I said that, yeah, it looks like I'm comparing, but sure, yeah. But it's not a competition. Exactly. It's a partnership. Now that to me sounds super difficult. <laughs> I mean, really, how? Yeah, the vision what are is, some of the tr what are some of the struggles that you've experienced over all your time? I mean, how do you do that? Is that another part of a unique thing? I guess I should say. So the vision is to have all of our community partners who care about these things, who care about creating a healthy okay. community environment in whatever way they perceive of as health. Okay, it might not be physical, you know, primary care kind of health for them. Okay, it might be economic vitality. It might be um, uh, good housing. You're bringing them into the set. You're yes. bringing them yes. into the circle. Yeah. yeah. The the vision is that everybody's sort of aligned. So we're all rowing together. Okay. Right? To reach a common. Uncommon partners destination. even? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, in real life. You know, sometimes the boat's going around for a while. Okay. What, <laughs> what do you mean by that? Sometimes you're making circles for a little bit. You mean you, you've only got one paddle or? <laughs> Some people okay. on one side of the boat are paddling harder than those on the other side of the boat. <laughs> or you might be running up on the bank sometimes, but. but so, Shelly, I mean, I've, <clears throat> this whole thing that, that Adam and I are doing here, you've fostered, um, 
you've not in any way micromanaged. I mean, Adam and I are literally, I'm asking you questions <laughs> that I literally don't understand. And while you're telling them, I'm like, I see how our podcast is a part of this whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So, so if that's the case, um, and, 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 and you're, you want to see uncommon partners come together, wh- how on earth do you find common ground? I mean, like, how do you do that so one group doesn't just say it's all about us? Or it, how do you determine that? How do you get people to play well with each other? I, that's a great question. We, you talk to me. You talk to us quite a bit about this concept of alignment and mm-hmm. and looking for that as the primary uh, rather than um, it to be sort of this fallback. So, so whenever there's conflict... Um, we know we align in some capacity, search for that and Mm -hmm. then try to emphasize that as our common ground. How do you do that with so many different personalities and types of people and different organizations who seemingly might not look like they're rowing in the same direction as us. Or they're thinking X's and O's, like like me. Like sure. I was telling you before, Adam, or I think... ones and zeros. I think foundations, ones, zeros, X's and O's. Like, I love that, computers. But yet, I see limits there. But it, it would make your job so much easier. But I don't see you doing, thinking in that way. And what Adam just said is, uh, what's the magic uh, sauce that you have? Because <laughs> I know that you're, you know... Um, constantly working on trying to get partners together. Well, I have, I have great people to work with. Um, and every team that I'm part of people, there care deeply about their communities and might be coming at it from a different point of view, depending on their, their particular situation or the, the goals and um, vision of their organization but, but in the end, we're all at the table because we care about the people who live near us mm-hmm. in our communities, and we want to make things better. So common ground, one of the key ones, what I'm hearing you say, is ownership of and care for their community. I think it can be a, a very powerful uniting factor. Okay. One thing I would like to say about the community work is that it can be challenging because even when people are deeply committed um, to a common sense of caring about the community, people don't always see things in the same way. And so people have different ideas about how to go about making changes and what are the right changes to make and where to start with that. Um, and, and, and so it's not that everybody agrees about everything um, all the time. And so... That's a challenge of it, but it's also um, it's also the really beautiful, creative piece um, is this community work because we could we could as a healthcare center just sort of plunge ahead and try to do everything we can ourselves ourselves yeah and okay. we would have one level of change. Mm. That would be one thing that would come from our point of view, right? But when you have all these mixed perspectives and people can get along and they can deeply listen to each other 
and think about things and are willing to try things, you can have something much different, um, more encompassing, more integrated, more expansive, more effective than, than we could dream on our own of doing. And so that's the value of having all the voices. You're creating, we're creating something brand new from, from pieces of everybody's idea. Mm. So it's not something that I, Shelley, could have ever thought of. It's not something that you, Adam, could have come up with. Sure. It's that combination of listening and pulling pieces together from different perspectives and different things that have worked for other people and building new ideas and new approaches. And I've seen when we've done that and we look at it and go, we've just done something. Where did that come from? Yeah. Right? Yeah. None of us thought of it, but all of us thought of it together. So that would just absolutely make a, many things unique if we're looking at the problems that way. There's no Lego building guide. Yeah, we get the booklet <laughs> out again and start from scratch. And even with if the starting, very clear directions. <laughs> starting, you know, with somebody's other great idea that worked in Detroit or sure. Canada or something, we can take those as starting points and together combining this this wide variety of perspective and wisdom together makes something different that's unique mm -hmm. and completely adapted to our own communities. Anna, and I'm, I'm hoping now that if our, somebody's listening and they're wondering what is going on in that new building that's coming up here in Hardin, which is going to be, be a beautiful building, um, what's going on with it, that they would think bigger about the word clinic and healthcare. And, 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 and remember that whole health isn't um, something trademarked. Um, and it, it, sounds, it sounds cheap if you, and trite sometimes, if you just throw that word around, but that's no, nothing that's happening uh, with farmer's market and these coalitions right. is cheap and trite. These are all real life-changing things. And we have people employed here who their lives have been moved yeah. from from these um, coalitions. So I think that's where community health center fits better than just clinic. Yeah, I like exactly being able to use that term rather than just a clinic because it's it really is about community health. So that's right. And yeah. when I'm out, I'm trying to explain. No, it's not. It's not just a clinic. Like not that just a clinic is, is a bad job, right. but it's there's something it, going on. It feels here. the need. It does. It plays its part. It does. The clinic does play a part so that's the that's the real joy of working in a community health center it's not just about the medicine it is yeah you'd yeah. said something it's not just about what is it bones and <laughs> organs <laughs> organs <laughs> yeah it's about real wellness and yeah. it's about healthy communities yeah and sustainability too is what you would connection yeah well i love it and and Let's have you back so we can talk about more of these things. Um, but I, I just want to, Adam, um, I'm going to say thanks to our, our partners. And uh, then I'm wondering if you could think about what's on tap for next week and, and, and send us out after that. Sure, yeah. So, Well, real quick, yeah. thank you, Shelly Sutherland. You're very welcome. For coming in here and chatting with us. This is an inexhaustible topic. Yeah. 
uh, for us. And it's always good. Something new comes out each time we discuss it. In fact, mm-hmm. we were just in Shelly's office right before this podcast talking about similar things. Yeah. So uh, it, it, never, it never fails. So thank you again for yeah. coming and Abel. Yeah. Thank you. And I, and I think uh, we want to thank uh, the freedom we have. Like when I hear this uh, from uh, BVHC, who supports us and has, has allowed for um, this studio where you're hearing this podcast come from beautiful little studio we have. Um, we're so grateful for that. We're grateful for uh, the rural health opioid program, RHOP, not IHOP, don't think pancakes, uh, who has helped. And again, our listeners. Now, Adam, I don't know if you have the letter, but, but we do have people now that have responded. Can you think of one? Uh, mm-hmm. We just got an email. Yeah, what was so, the one that comes to your mind? So on our last podcast, we met with Stephanie Chosa and we talked about the building uh, of a pharmacy in a rural community. And we had a little portion that we piloted called Ask the Pharmacist. Yeah. And we had really, really great feedback about that episode with Stephanie. Um, and we got a comment from, I just don't know. <laughs> That's the name. That's the name of, of the person. Uh, uh, the comment was, this is awesome, exclamation point. Thank you, Stephanie, for all you've done for the community. And we just wanted to share that comment with you and that feedback and say thank you to I just don't know. <laughs> sorry for the feedback and um let you know that next week we will be meeting with stephanie again um and we're gonna have an episode that's devoted purely to ask the pharmacist but we're gonna do an opioid edition on that and we're gonna be asking stephanie some questions like I've been prescribed an opioid and am a parent of small children. Is this going to affect my ability to take care of my children? Uh, One other is uh, my doctor has given me the okay to stop taking my opioid medicine, but I still have pills left. Do I need to take them all or can I just flush them down the toilet? So really sort of serious questions. We had some funny ones the first time we talked to Steph, but these are going to be really direct and uh, deal with some of the issues around um, the opioid crisis and addiction. So, so e- e- before you send this out, Adam, I just want to say thank you to you who have subscribed, yes. downloaded, and now are sending us emails at the one in five podcast at iCloud.com. We love them. That feedback actually changes the show. <laughs> and, uh, gives Adam and I longer fingernails because we don't chew them off all day trying to figure out what we're going to do. So thank you (laughs) for supporting us listeners too. Thanks everyone. 